right, yo guys, welcome into episode 87. Hopefully, um, we're coming through a little crisper than usual. We decided, you know, we got a special guest coming on, um, or the next special guest coming on, and we wanted to kind of up the production quality from from what we were using before. So, um, I'm Adam, this is Justin as usual, and then we've got Coach Joe, who I think it's been a long time coming that we've been, you know, kind of getting on the mics after talking so much on Twitter. Yeah, definitely, definitely, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always been cool, I think, to kind of share a ton of opinions on Twitter. And I think, like we talked a little bit about before we went live, um, we've we've talked to each other in spaces occasionally. And then sort of you and Christian and Davey, people who probably names are also synonymous with the NYCFC community on Twitter, um, through your spaces have now naturally kind of transitioned into a podcast, which I think makes a ton of sense based on, you know, you guys, I would be up at like... 1 a.m. I'm like, man, these guys are still in the spaces. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, the game ended at like 8 o'clock or something. And, uh, you know, pop in there, say some words and pop out and stuff. But I, I think it's been great to to get as many voices as possible kind of talking about the team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, with those spaces, like we, like, like you said, they'd be going for like two, two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. And we're still going hard. Like we're still like like talking about the game. It hasn't like diverted from like the, the topics. Like we're still going yeah. hard on the content. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean – that that is kind of the same way that we sort of came to the conclusion of starting a podcast was like I think it was COVID when we first started and we were like obviously in the house way too much like everybody and we have all these opinions about NYCFC and we're like you know we're kind of getting tired of just like yelling them at each other and talking about (laughs) stuff like why don't we just put it on a camera and like upload it and just all of a sudden now we've we've you know got you on the show and like talking to a bunch of people on Twitter and it's been like such a cool experience. Yeah, I mean, uh, like definitely, like hashtag NYCFC Twitter is awesome because, uh, like, you're, like there's so many people who have different opinions and views, and and you kind of like just start like your own little community of talking to people um, and people that sometimes you meet in real life and sometimes you only know them by their Twitter handle. Like, it, it's awesome. Yeah, I was we were saying before the show when it comes to um, people that we've met in real life, we've met two out of three of the co-hosts of of your podcast, and you're the third that we need to meet in person. So I think. You know, 2023 will be the season where we, we do get to touch base with Coach Joe in person and kind of chop it up at a game. Yeah, well, yeah, and, yeah. and like you said, you, you, you want to keep it sober. Um, I think <laughs> for that one, we may have to just grab a beer and sit down and, and hash it out. Just talk talk a little bit. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. We can go to Yankee Tower. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's been kind of a, a big week in NYCFC news, you know, aside from, you know, obviously no – incoming player transfers and the preseason has been lights out in terms of coverage that we're actually getting of it. Um, but to me, the the main thing on my mind has kind of been the stadium at the current moment. And obviously, you know, Chris Campbell, very uh, not notorious, but famous for all of the information that he shares, put out a big article on, on everything that we've learned from the different people. I believe they had like a big press conference last night about it. And I'm just wondering, you know, we're sort of a few steps removed being fans from Connecticut and I just wonder if, if you could share like a little bit of thoughts on what the stadium has meant to you and like coming to fruition after, you know, we've all waited this long, but for you, like it'll really be in your backyard. What is it kind of like? That's the other thing is that me, me and Christian, we, we live behind enemy lines. Oh, no. Me New Jersey. Me. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Well, at least he picked the right side, you know. <laughs> at least he picked yeah, the right side. We live behind enemy lines. Dobby lives, Dobby lives like in a... I, I, it's like right, right over the border of Jersey, like that, like over like Orange County around there. Okay. So not, not none of us are actually like city proper, right? We're we're we're, we're, we're metro, met the metropolitan area. Metro star. Um, but uh, I mean, so the pro- the problem I'm having with getting hype for the stadium is that it's so to me it's so far in advance. Mm-hmm. 
Like it's not like it's gonna get built in one season, two seasons, three. It's it's like it's so far. Yeah. Like it's so it's so it's hard to maintain the the, the hype, the, the 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 almost anxiety of it happening because I can't see the finish line. Like I, I like I can't see like it's nothing's even been the ground isn't even broke been broken yet. Like it's just so hard to think about it happening because it's not close at all by any means. Is it not not close to happening? So it's just it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think for us it. Uh, it almost like buys us a little bit of time to hopefully get closer. Cause even like you being in Jersey, right. It's like, it's, it's much closer to us city field. When we went sometimes uh, last season, it was like literally two and a half hours, an hour of it probably stuck in like bumper to bumper traffic, trying to get over that bridge. You cross like two toll booths that are 10 bucks a piece. And we're like, I don't know how much fun it is going to city field for us. And then they announced the stadium is going to be built next to it. And we're like, Oh shit, we got to get to New York. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you guys so aren't even like SoCo. You guys are like you guys are we're like, like yeah, middle middle Connecticut. Yeah, okay. I almost doxed us. Yeah. <laughs> I almost I almost said the town. Yeah, uh, the street, uh, the town, the town literally has middle in it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're literally in the middle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I it, it's fun to to kind of go down there and see the games, but it it is really tough. And um, you know, with with that site, it, it does kind of um put that fire under us to, to get closer in one way or another, whether that's lower Connecticut, lower New York, who knows what, what the future is for that. But Stanford, Stanford's a good spot. Yeah. I believe that's, uh, is it hack stomping grounds? Maybe not hack. I know Tony no, Roche hack has been hanging out New York. there too. He's from Bushwick, right? Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. It's, it's Jason somebody though. Jason, you said, yeah, I think it is Jason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, that that is kind of you know what's been on our mind for the yeah. Well, the I I've kind of got a just not not really an NYCFC question, but so everyone knows the legend now that is Coach Joe on Twitter. Um, but we even us we just learned something right now. Uh, kind of I wanted to give a little background um, as to the human that is Coach Joe, so that we okay. can kind of bring you to a human level because sometimes people can see your your you know your takes on twitter and kind of you know take it to a non-human level and i think it's it's important to put some information to the human uh so so that we can see you as that yeah so what is so what is like i guess the background you know what is the background for coach i have you been um i would assume are you like a season ticket holder member are you have you been around the team forever so ticket holder in 2018 it was my one and only year as a season ticket holder. Nice. Do you typically, um, but, when you go to games, what do you like to do? Do you like to be like kind of in a supporter section or like, you know, somewhere around the stadium? When I first started going to games, um, I, I, I took in some games in the supporter section. Um, but I prefer to have, I mean, I call it like a coach's view. So I mm. prefer to sit in like two, 227A, 50-yard line, so I can see everything that's happening. I can see off sides. I have an elevated view so I can see everything that's happening before it's happening, things like that. Like that's my, I, I can't be too close, but I also can't be too far. So like the reason why I stopped being a season ticket holder was because like if I wanted season tickets in two thirty whatever, it's going to be like, it was going to be like en enough money that I, I wasn't going to be able to afford it. So yeah. I, I buy single single game tickets. So like, yeah, the dirt, the Derby tickets are, are higher because they price jacked that. But if I'm going to watch like them play against like DC United um, or, or whatever, the tickets are usually pretty, pretty cheap. Yeah. I think um, we're basically well, the same. My first, my first ever game was uh, was the I believe it was the second 
home game against SKC. Okay. In 2015 was my first ever game attending. Um, the, 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 the inaugural home game against New England was just the tickets like impossible to get. Um, but, uh, yeah, I went to one game and I was like, I was hooked. Like, I was like, I was like, inject this right into my, into my, and we lost that game one zero on an Ico Parra <laughs> header off of like a throw in or something like that. It was insane. Um, and, and David Villa didn't even play that match. He was, I think he was, he was out. I don't think he played that match. Um, but yeah, ever since that game, I was just completely all in full in and was watching every game after that. So what about it? Um, got you hooked on, on that game? Was it the, the environment, the, the game itself, the team? Uh, yeah, it was it was at Yankee Stadium. It was it was like you like going to the game. It felt authentically New York. Like obviously, growing up in New Jersey, born and bred. Um, when back in the '90s, when I was going through adolescence and through childhood, I, I was a MetroStars fan because my club, the club that I played for, we would go to Metro's games at the old Giant Stadium. Um, I, I, I like back in the '90s when I was growing up. Like we, we couldn't get we couldn't get European games on television. Um, so like, I wasn't really watching any soccer other than when you can occasionally find an MLS game on it or something like that. Um, so I was a Metro's fan Grew up, growing up. I had a few jerseys. I had some like autographed of like my, like my club's Jersey was autographed by a bunch of Metro's guys, um, back in like 90, 96, 97. Um, and then, uh, and then I kind of was like, a, once, once they, um, once they did the corporate takeover of, of Red Bull. I was like, because I don't even like Red Bull, like the drink. Like I think it's, <laughs> I when when you guys see me tweet out saying that I think it's, I think it's, uh, um, what do I call it? <laughs> like, like it's like biohazard like horse horse yeah. urine. Like, yeah. like it like it's legitimately the grossest thing I've ever <laughs> drank in my life. I would not want to have wear clothes that have the crap emblazoned on it. If you paid me money, I would not wear that shit. <laughs> um, so I couldn't get on board with it. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't get on board with the corporate takeover, especially because like, I thought the New York Metro stars were like, it was a good brand. Like it was New York, New Jersey, at least in 95, 96, it was NY slash NJ. Mm -hmm. So it kind of encompassed both States and the, and the Metro area and the Metro stars. Like it was, it felt, it felt kind of authentic uh, for, I mean, as much as, as much as you could be back in 95, 96. Um, and then in, what was it? Was it 2010 when they, when they converted over to uh, Red Bull? I think around, yeah, around then. Yeah. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get, I couldn't get on board with it. So I was kind of, a, I was like a, a football free agent. I, I, I didn't really have fanship at once they became Red Bulls. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and, uh, and then I was kind of, um, so I went, I went to West Virginia university for my grad school nice. and I, um, my, my call, I worked with the soccer team there. I was, I was a volunteer, volunteer graduate assistant with the, with the men's soccer team there, their division one. Um, and, uh, my roommate when I was there coincidentally was the captain of the team. Uh, his name is Ray Gaddis. And in 2012, so I, I got there in 2011 and in 2012, um, he had graduated cause he was, a, he was a senior and he got drafted into the MLS. Who did he get drafted by? The Philadelphia union. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was kind of, I wasn't a Philadelphia union cause I hate Philly. I hate, I hate the Eagles. I hate Philly, fil filthy Philly. Like they I hate Philly. Um, but I was kind of a supporter of him playing for Philly. Uh, so I was going down there to games a lot to watch him play. Um, and then, uh, and then in 2014, uh, NYCFC got announced and I was like, okay, so this is, a, I, I moved back to Jersey after I graduated and I was like, okay, this is something that I, I want, I want to get involved with a new, a new team coming to MLS and they are, it's supposed, it's New York city proper. They're going to play at Yankee stadium. 
So that's kind of my uh, my origin story on how I got involved with with NYCFC. And then uh, obviously I, I made sure that it was okay with Ray. I was like, hey, I was like, I'm still going to support you as a <laughs> as a player and your career, but like I'm all in on NYCFC. So like when we play, I'm really hoping for like a like a three three draw. <laughs> yeah. And then it's funny how how you know the rivalry that is Philly and NYCFC from both teams being so good for for a couple of years now and meeting each other in the playoffs. How that has kind of developed. Um. But it's funny, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, you know, in the meantime, waiting between that 2010 and the 2015 of NYCFC initially kicking off, what kind of, like, filled the void of needing some kind of soccer? Because it seemed like soccer has been a big part of your life, but yeah. you kind of answered that. I feel like, I think that's a, a more interesting uh, origin story than maybe a lot of people like ours. I think typically we went the typical maybe American route where it's like if, if you're not playing soccer, then you probably find your way in through like a European league, probably the BPL that you get into. Um, and ultimately like the passion is really lying in the USMNT. And then at some point, if like an MLS team catches you, then it's kind of like, Oh, all right, you're into like the U S soccer system. Now you're, you're deeper than a casual fan. Um, and I feel like in that way, that's kind of been both of our ways getting yeah. into the team. Um, a little opposed. I've come from a man city background, Although, you know, the group chat of, of our friends will let you know the first year, like in soccer a lot, I was a Chelsea fan. Um, but once, I, I think the same thing you said, once NYCFC came into the picture, it was like, all right, anything that is associated with them, that is now where my fandom kind of lies. I'll take on Man City. Uh, I'll take on NYCFC, obviously, as, as the most passionate that I'm, that I'm focusing on and that I want to watch and stuff. And then we've got the Manchester United boy over here. Who's, who's like them kind of all his life. So it, it does create for an interesting dynamic because we do agree on most things for NYCFC. But if you yeah. saw the text going back and forth to each other about the BPL, you would just be disgusted by what that, you're reading. Honestly, like that, that format would fit the coach <laughs> show uncensored uh, yeah. because it is completely different than what we do for <laughs> NYCFC. Like if we ever one day, did create a podcast that was either Premier League or, or European based. Um, it would it would be bad for the brand, genuinely. It would be bad for the brand. And then our our and then our best friend, you know, if we were at a, ever to have a show and get him on the mic too, is then a Liverpool fan. So you're adding just like a an X factor into two X factors. Yeah, there's kind of there's a um I wouldn't it's not famous because it's only we only know about it, but um there's a picture of us at the bar from like i think your last year in, in college yeah and it's uh, me and the united kit him and the city kit and then our other friend in the liverpool kit and it's just kind of like yeah of course this is going to be how did we find each other water and oil every time <laughs> we talk about the prem yeah um but yeah i think that's a super cool origin story i think i, I didn't really even watch mls up until um i believe there was a final and uh portland was in it and I think Valeri scored like some insane goal and I just happened to be flipping through TV mm -hmm. and, and it was like, it stopped right at the moment of that goal. And I was like hooked instantly. And I just, I was like, okay, this might be a serious thing. And, um, that's when I really got into that MLS. And then I think it was like a year after that, um, that, that NYCFC came along and, and we were in Connecticut, just kind of these free agents, um, like you, like you mentioned. And, um, didn't identify with with the revs at all just I, i'm not a pats fan I, i'm we're not in boston like it just didn't connect and um there's just something about everything in the beginning of nycfc that we really were drawn to so yeah it's cool it's, it, one of the things that draw the draw it's it's that you're in you're on the ground floor yep. like you're there from from t day one like there's not like there's not a lot of people who can say 
like, hey, I've been here since before we had a logo, since before we signed a player. Like, we've we've experienced everything, and that's why, like, I was at, I was at the kit launch, not the kit launch. I was at the kit preview um, in the city with the third rail event, and there was a, a guy there um, who was who was there for the same thing, and he um, he just became a fan of NYCFC, like um, like a little like since right before the cup. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so he's relatively new. So like, I was like, I'm, I'm over there talking. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta go back and watch like this and that and that. Cause like, like these are like core memories of like, that's built up like the, the, the rivalry with, with the Red Bulls and the rival and like the rivalry with the union that hasn't re- didn't really reach the levels that it's kind of hit now until like the past couple of years when, cause uh, the, the union were perennial wooden spoon content, uh, contest uh, contenders mm-hmm. for like, the first few years of us being in the league, like they were bad. They were not playoff team. They were not good. Um, that's why our record, if you look at our record versus them, it's very lopsided because we would just beat the crap out of them in the, in, in the early years. And just recently they've gotten good and it's kind of almost leveled out a little bit. Um, but like I was, I was like, you gotta, I was like, you gotta go back and watch this, this and this. Cause this, this is like, this is going to build like your fandom even higher because like, there's just now when you're watching a game, you're going to know all the history and it's just going to add to your viewing experience. Yeah, definitely. So and I know like, um... you're just coming into it now. Yeah, like like you said, uh, the Philly kind of uh, rivalry is is fairly new. I remember when, you know, they were in the early days trying to force the Orlando rivalry on us, and it was just because we were two expansion teams. Yeah. And there was really nothing in it yep. back then. I think if anything, more during the COVID Cup and and things like that. That's it. Kind of got a little heated. Um, yeah. But there was never really that that rivalry i think they were just trying to force it onto us and it's not nice because i mean you don't like having you know somebody that you hate but at the end of the day it's nice to have a natural real rivalry now with philly and with red bulls kind of when they when they decide to fight back i mean lately it's not really been that much yeah, we, we can't say anything about them until until we start leveling out the <laughs> the, the overall record. Yeah, the thing because is, people, is, I even mean... people cup, all they want to talk about is seven zero, seven zero, red wedding. That's all they want to talk about. So we like we have to give them more shit to shut up about. Like, hey, we have a championship and we've won more games in the series. Right. Well, not only that, but I I mean we've got a pretty heavy one nil in the cup, the cup debate. I mean that's that's heavy. That has a lot of weight to it. I feel way more than a than a seven nil. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it. I think the big teller with that too is I think they have what like twenty six years in the league, and we we were able to swoop in and do it in as quick as we did. Um, but I think it. I think that starts like a, a interesting conversation. I know that you're really high on sort of considering teams like Toronto maybe uh, a rival. Um, and obviously, we just saw Sean go there, and we we'll get into the mass exodus of players. It almost feels like it's a new ground floor experience. If anybody is like a new NYCFC fan to get in. And like mm-hmm. you're you're gonna be starting on a new a new playing field with you know all of us other fans basically because right now we've we've retained for big players like Keaton and Tales. Um, right. I mean it's as close to NYCFC when we started I think I'm not I'm not talent wise these guys are twenty times better than our initial roster mm-hmm. um, maybe excluding David Villa because you take David Villa in this team any day yeah. Um, but yeah, twenty times better. But it's that feeling where it's like, the, oh, this is brand new. Yeah. So I wonder. I wonder what. What are your feelings with Sean going going to Toronto? You know, a team that you really considered to be a, a big rival, which I would agree with you on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I I consider Toronto a rival because of regionality. They're close, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also because of recent result. Like like, I mean, was anybody else really pissed off and left the stadium? 
Is this wait? Do you have the do you, do you have the E rating? Can I curse or no? Uh, yeah, if you want to. We kinda, I mean. Yeah, we kind of slip. I mean, we we slip up every once in a while. It just is what it is. <laughs> um, but like I like left the stadium. What was it nineteen with with, with the with we the Ronald Metzger incident that we won't talk about? Like yep. that, like. I was like, like we were we were a really good team that year, and that was that left a really sour taste. Like we left the stadium like pissed that that mm. happened, and we couldn't believe that it happened. Like we left like we were awestruck. Like we could not believe that Matarito would make that tackle in the 90 plus minute or whatever in in a playoff game. Like when he didn't need to, he had three. Like it was just whatever. But like so that that amped up, and then on top of that, like like Giovinco and 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 Pozuelo doing his Anankas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like Toronto is, they're, they're like, they're a bona fide like rival contender. Like they're, they're up there. We don't like them like that. And that's what makes a rivalry is if you genuinely just don't like the franchise, like you, because of what's happened. Um, so because of like Orlando feels manufactured because of, it's just the, the only, or prior to the, 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 the crazy playoff loss, right. um, it was just the fact that we both came in together. So we were like sister clubs or sister, sister, um, um, franchises that came in at the same time. Yep. Um, and that was like the only talking point. Uh, but but now with the with that PK, I mean, it's it, now there's another level to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, so uh, with Sean going, it, it just like I was, I've been I've been talking about it. Like if, if Sean went, if, if Sean wanted to go back home to Chicago, fine, okay. You you started there. You want the the, the 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 prodigal son returns home to to do good. Like that makes sense. That's a good storyline. Um, if you wanted to go to Atlanta, because that's where he grew up, go to Atlanta. Like like Brad Guzan is like a hundred years old. They need a better keeper there anyway. Um, like go to okay. The, the, the he, he's going back home to where his family is, and and, and that makes sense. Um, going to Toronto doesn't there's that doesn't make any sense to me. He's literally going there to chase trophies with the Toronto Italians. That's what he's going there for. It's not for this last big payday. He's made a shit ton of money. He's been in the league forever. Yep. It's not like he's not going to be making some like he's not making like DP money there. It's it's a tan deal. Um, so he's just going there because he's like. Kevin Durant just got traded last night. He's a fucking snake, and he's just going there to win a trophy. And he's and, and he sees that they have a better roster than we do right now, and he's just going there to win. And and that's like that's not what legends do. Legends don't do that. So like, like I'm I'm fully in the in the in the, in the side that like this this tarnishes his legacy um, as an MLS player. Like he's just chasing he's chasing glory. He's a glory chaser, and he's just going somewhere where they have a better they have a better setup. Um, and then now he, and then he's I mean I mean yeah like. That, I hate when people start do a 180 and start acting differently. So like Sean was when he was here, yeah, he's for the city. Like he he's for, plays for the badge, would bleed for the badge, and then now he goes to Toronto. And less than a week later, he's talking shit about baseball field, looking forward to playing in a real yeah. stadium, blah blah blah. I want to win the cup, coming like so. It's just it's it, like it, it just shows that like most footballers are fake. They're fake. They're fake. They're, they're, they're only loyal enough to whoever's signing off on their paychecks, and he doesn't give a shit about New York City. So I hope when we play them that we that we we put in three, four, five goals on them. And I hope it's one of the worst losses he's ever suffered as a professional. And like, and if we were building Mount Rushmore, Josh Johnson's face is not there. I mean, yeah, thank you for winning us a cup, making the penalty saves, but like, this is it's it's a bad look. It's a bad look. So with uh, like you had mentioned, like a figurative Mount Rushmore, um, would he have been there had he made another move and kind of acted more respectfully? Yes. Yeah. Yes. If, if he, like I said, if he made a, a move down to Atlanta, made a move to Chicago, that's understandable. And that 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 the, that that thought process checks off. Like it's like okay, I understand. I do. I, I have no understanding of him wanting to move to Canada, uproot his relate. He, he has a girlfriend, um, and he's just uprooting his life and moving to Toronto. Um, that doesn't check out to me. It's, he's literally just going there. And and I guarantee 
the money hasn't come out yet, but I, I can guarantee you that he's not making like crazy insane because the, the MLS doesn't pay keepers like that. Um, they don't. They don't pay keepers. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, no, I, mean a- I, I think I think I'd have to agree. And, and when we look at the Mount Rushmore conversation, I think where it hurts Sean is that we have had probably five to six to seven impactful players that could be in the conversation and it's tough to fit him in especially as a keeper you know you look at his highlights obviously saving the penalty against new england and then saving the two against portland are um uh indescribable moments when those things happen um and and so unlikely to ever happen again um in the biggest stage of his career but i agree with you i mean if i if i look at my nycfc mount rushmore right i'm gonna put tati on there uh, I'm going to put a Collins on there, and I'm probably going to have to put a Maxi on there. Um, and then if we look at the rest of every NYCFC player that's existed, I mean, I think there is potentially a few that come before Sean, um, probably a David Villa. And, you know, obviously, if if we're taking character into consideration with Sean, we would probably have to do the same thing with Villa, um, in which case I wouldn't really want to put him up there. But, I mean, if we are just talking about performances and production – I don't think that Sean could crack the top four. And, you know, part of that is because of his position. You know, you get you get kind of screwed when you're a goalkeeper and, and you have people that can bang in goals and assists like it's nobody's business. Um, a, a goalkeeper that lets in, you know, almost no goals versus somebody scoring out of their mind, you're always going to take the guy because it's more flashy. Now, I will say one thing. If NYCFC actively told Sean, like, we don't want you, like, go. Yeah. Then okay. Then that's kind of free reign for him. To, but like we were trying. We want. I, I, I firmly believe that. I mean, yeah. It may not have been like a fantastic offer because once again, he's a goalkeeper, an aging goalkeeper. Was yeah. he thirty three? Yes. I, I realize I'm, I'm a soccer coach, so I, I know that goalkeepers can play longer. Like like their peak is a little bit later than your average field player. But thirty three is still pushing it for a non elite goalkeeper. Sean's not an elite goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he was an elite goalkeeper, he'd be playing in Europe. He's playing in the MLS. Um, so he's a he's I mean obviously he's a third choice American goalkeeper for like the for a World Cup squad, um, but he's an American goalkeeper who plays in the domestic league, um, and he's thirty three. So if, I mean, but we did make an offer for him. It may, it may not have been a deep uh, like a, a DP offer or a high TAM offer, but I'm sure it was a offer. And in my mind, someone who has club legend status, what he what what, what should have transpired was you stay with NYCFC, you groom your heir, you help groom like Barraza or whoever is behind you. Um, into a potential keeper, you retire with the club, and then maybe take a, a position with the club as an ambassador or something like that afterwards. And that's what that, that's what a legend does. That's what I mean. You look at Diego Diego Valeri with with Portland. I mean, I don't think it happened now, but it, what what was supposed to happen was is he ended his career in Portland, went back to Argentina for a year or two, played one year with his his hometown club, and then he was supposed to come back and have a job in in the, in the Portland front office as an ambassador. I don't know what happened there because it didn't didn't it get announced that Diego Valeri is one of the Apple one of the Apple co- uh, commentators for Apple so, Plus. Yeah. For, yep. yeah, so I don't know what happened with with Portland with the front office position, but he is coming back to work for for Apple Plus. But that's what that's what a that's what a, a legend does. That's how a legend is supposed to act, in my mind at least. I mean, I, I'm allowed to. It's my opinion. I mean, anybody can feel free to disagree, but that's what I think should have transpired. That's how you cement the status as a club legend. I, I think what happened was. I, he kind of reached this peak of his career in after this last season. I, I know it didn't end the way that we wanted it to, um, but he came off of um, a MLS Cup. He goes and wins the uh, Campeones Cup. He's finally in the conversation, at least to be a, a national team keeper. 
Um, and I think he just, he, he got all of that into his head and thought I need to go make whatever the best deal is where I'll have some eyes on me to kind of win this job. And I, I just think he was wrong in that thinking. I don't think he's going to be the starting keeper. I think that's a job that's way outside of his hands. I think you can name probably three other guys that are starting quality and he's not it. And that's no knock to him. There's just better quality out there. Um, I just, I just think all of those things got to his head and he made the wrong decision at the end of the day. Yeah. So then, I mean, keeping on the, the, keeper topic i wonder what what your thoughts are about the guys that we have on the roster now obviously we don't have a ton of a ton of footage or a ton of knowledge on what matt freese is although you know very electric la galaxy preseason game from what we got to hear of it um but we've we have been blessed that we've seen a lot of barraza because of sean's uh ability to go and you know ride the bench for the men's national team so what are the thoughts on on barraza so we're in a unique time with NYCFC because we haven't had this exact situation since 2017. Mm-hmm. Like we, we had 15 and 16 was Josh Sounders. And then from from 17 on was Sean Johnson. So we, we haven't had any type of controversy or, or anything at the goalkeeper position for a long time. Yep. Um, with Barraza, I mean, he, he wasn't drafted very highly coming out of, out of, out of, out of college um, in the MLS Super Draft. Um, we've only, we've seen him a little bit. Um, I'm not overly impressed with, uh, and also I'm not really impressed with his, uh, goalkeeping abilities. Now as a goalkeeper, your first job is to be a shot stopper, to be a keeper of the net. I know a lot of people are going to talk about, Oh, Barraza has great ability with his feet. Yep. He can distribute well. That's not his first job. His first job is to stop the ball from going in the net. And I, from what I've seen and from what we have seen, because he, Barraza has gotten some go in, in the U S open cup and some, and some spot duty here and there when Johnson's not around. And I'm, I'm not sold. I'm not like, Oh my God, like he is our next keeper. Like, it's just, it's average. Like it's like, okay, he lets in some really soft goals. Um, yeah, he has good feet, but I mean, we have to keep, we need to keep it to like one or a shutout to, to get a win in soccer typically. And, and he has not shown the ability to do that. He lets in, he lets in goals at a pretty good clip, like two. When he does, when he, when he he gets shutouts, but then when he doesn't get a shutout, he let. And it's kind of like what Sean Johnson does. When Sean, Sean leads the league in, or like was close to leading the league in shutouts, but when he wasn't getting shutouts, he was letting in goals, yeah. like a lot. And, and they were getting let in by, by a decent clip. Yeah. Um. So and then with uh, with Freeze, I mean, all all I know about Freeze is is from what most people only know about is that um we 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 scored the game winning goal on him in the Eastern Conference Final when he had a depleted covid riddled back line um and uh and we moved on and won a championship because of it um obviously a huge huge pk save um in the in the preseason scrimmage against the la galaxy um i'm firmly in the camp that preseason games do matter results do matter in the preseason because winning and losing are both contagious um if we would have headed into this coachella valley or even even if we would have lost all lost and tied all of our games and even had a crap showing in coachella We'd, we would not be rolling into Nashville with any type of confidence whatsoever. So getting a win against the Galaxy was was really good for I I believe for the morale and, and just for the for the uh, confidence of the of some of these young players who we were deploying a lot of young players in the preseason. Um, but I mean, Freeze Freeze made another nice save in the game as well. Um, uh, uh, pretty much picked the ball out of going near post upper ninety. Nice save. Um, and then the PK save, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm the type of sicko where I, I, I screenshot the, 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 the PK and then I'm dragging it in slow motion because I want to see everything <laughs> that he's doing before it struck. So, like, he read it. Like, he, he was going to his left, 
before the before he um, he even planted before Douglas Costa even planted his right foot in the ground to know that he was I mean because he's left footed kicker. So like Matt like Freeze I don't know if it, and like some people say it's guessing no it's like goal goalkeeping is an art like you can read the hips and the and the approach angle and all that stuff. Um, so he read it like a book. He was he was moving left before he even even struck the ball and it's and it, the ball was hit at a really good height for, um, for the keeper to just get really big and make the save. Um, and 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 that's that, that's like I, I believe that this year we're gonna ride with um, ride with the hot hand. Whoever gets hot is gonna is gonna keep the spot. And then if we have maybe a, a couple bad games in a row where we start conceding goals like like it's our job, then they're going to have to make a change. Um, so I, I, I believe that we're going to kind of go by goalkeeper by committee for the first little bit of the season. And whoever whoever is performing and doing well is going to stay in there. Now, I realize, I mean, I, I don't know how Freese's feet are, um, but I also don't know if we're going to commit to the city way of, of playing the ball out the back because we're going to have all these inexperienced pieces because we lost so many mainstays of our lineup this off season that I don't know if we can commit to playing out the back um, because you have um, Alexander Collins was uh, arguably one of the best ball carrying center backs in MLS history. Um, that dude, that dude would carry, had the ball at his feet constantly and was not afraid to, to carry the ball into the middle third and then into the attacking third and kind of serve as like a cam center back, just some ridiculous stuff. Um, but, so we don't have anybody like that anymore. Like I don't, Maxime Chanel is not carrying the ball like that. Tony Alfaro, we don't know much about, um, and uh, and Tiago Martins. I mean, I wasn't high on him when he came in. He was really, really bad uh, his first month with us. He got better, um, but I'm still not like oozing confidence that he's like going to be the heir to the center back pairing that was Collins and Chanel. Um, but yeah, so to, to rewind it back to the goalkeepers. Uh, I think we're going committee until until someone steps up and 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 takes it and just proves that they're going to be our starting keeper. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I I think I probably agree, and I I liked your your little points about the preseason. I'm also in the camp of believing that preseason has it, it carries a lot of weight, especially when you do have the young guys and the inexperienced players. I think when you have guys that haven't been there before, um, even just as regular starters in MLS season, um, and now they're going to be kind of thrust into that position or even thrust into depth roles that they've never been in before. Maybe they're like their weekly MLS next pro people. Um, they're going to live and die on morale and on motivation and on consistency. Um, and, and like you said, I think it can get in your head, especially as a young team. If, if you lose every single preseason game, there's no way you're not having some type of self-doubt conversation, especially if you were at some point a part of, uh, giving up a goal maybe or a part of a bad play um, a miscommunication uh, maybe like with uh, Barraza and Chano in the game where that yeah. kind of creeps into your mind when you are on the actual field and all the pressure is on you in a way that it hasn't been before um, and and you have six losses to lean on as opposed to four wins and two losses or six wins or something like that. So I, I would have to agree with you in that case. I do think the very early ones that Cushing um, even notably mentioned, you know, he's playing around with lineups. We've got Maximo Carrizo in there. Obviously, I don't think anybody foresees him playing a ton of minutes for us, if any, during the actual regular season. But there's something to be said about winning preseason games, like having a winner's mentality. Yeah, no, it, it just goes a lot to building culture, building confidence, building you know, your style, because, uh, you know, realistically, as much as you would love to pull in style and, and everything like that from last season with so many people exiting, 
It's it's essentially gone, and it it goes away. Even if we kept all of our players, there would be some level of um, regression that that you would see. So it go it really goes to just building that confidence um, in each other and, and knowing like. You know, in Keaton's, um, you know, you can you can kind of see these guys getting into a mindset of like, oh, it's it's me now, right? There's a few guys who I feel are gonna feel that way, um, with everyone leaving, that they're gonna feel like, okay, this is all on me. I've got to carry the weight of this team. I've got to be the person that produces. And uh, preseason really can show you like, oh no, I I forgot. Tiago can actually shoot a shoot a ball. Like he can actually dribble. He can. He's in this team. Um, you know, the guys around me actually do contribute. These are all guys that made the last team better, you know, in one way or another. So I think it just really goes to that confidence. Well, I think you, I think that's a good point too. I I didn't even consider it when you think at players potentially being concerned about losing people as well. And I think it can be a domino effect at times. I think when Tati took off, that kind of set the motion that we were going to lose a lot of our core players. Um, you know, when you when you have somebody that's that invested in the locker room, I, I think Maxi was probably morale wise uh, one of the biggest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, killed when when Tati left, and then everybody was killed when when Maxi leaves. And yeah. like you said, that could leave a hole where you know a Matty or a Tiago, um, these these sort of more average players that you can put in and get the job done. Um, as long as you have a few superstars dotted throughout. They when they don't have those guys to lean on, it may affect their play too. And I thought it was funny because in the second press conference, Alfredo um, said that he thinks that we need more players. And I'm not sure that I ever heard a player say that about their own team, like in any sport ever. Um, so I, I thought it was really telling, sort of to the mindset, especially with him as a senior player. Um, most likely not the captain, but up there in the the totem pole of guys that you know have have weight in that locker room to kind of say that, especially publicly. Um, to the media. Yeah, I mean, because you look at the preseason roster and it's like, <laughs> it's yeah, bare bones. Who's on it? Who, who are yeah, and then, like, obviously, like every preseason, they bring a lot of like uh, academy slash and well, now with the NYCFC too. But like, there's some surprises. Like, I haven't seen a picture or a video of Brodilio Rodriguez. I don't think I've seen MD Myers, and these are guys that we took in. The, these are guys that we took in the uh, in the MLS Super Draft who were on the initial roster to go out to to go down to Florida for the first leg of preseason. I haven't seen them in anything. I follow them on Instagram, and I don't even think they're. I I, I, I think that that's the other thing. Like I, I hate the lack of transparency. I don't I don't think they're with the team anymore. Mm. Like and like we don't. But that wasn't made clear. I mean, obviously, because they don't have to tell us because technically they're not getting cut because they were never under contract to begin with. They were selected in a draft. But they had no contract. Yep. So they're trialists, technically, I guess, is what you would consider them. But like we were thin, and then now like MD Myers is is a striker, midfield, like a striker winger, and then Rodilio Rodriguez is another striker winger. So we're th- that's a position we're super thin at. And if we're letting these guys go, like, is somebody else coming in? Because <laughs> Gabe Segal, like, and that's and Talis, and that's yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's. It- it's unnerving to not really know and um they've done a really good job at and not letting us know this season i think this Always, is like i mean it's like the story of nycfc i know like i just not feels, show their cards to anybody maybe because there's so many question marks and and so many people gone that it feels like there's less info now than there ever has been but like i genuinely feel more in the dark now going into the season than i ever have um and that's scary like i don't know 
you know, if if, if I'm Nick Cushing, I don't know how I'm even using Talis at this point. Like I have no, I have nothing to go on to to kind of feel confident about where Talis is really going to be played outside of the nine. But how, what way is he going to play the nine? You know, I, I these are some of the questions that I'm thinking of, and I we're just in the dark. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he performed that great at the nine last year. Um, and then a lot of people think that his best position, sorry, uh, best position is uh, on left wing. But then I've also heard rumblings that people think that he could play the nine, or not, sorry, the 10. Um, so I'm just like, well, like, where is Talis Mando going to play? Like, where's the best place for him to play? Um, but he, I, like, when you watch him, he doesn't have like that, that, that it factor that you look for in a nine. Like that, that, I'm going to score a goal. I'm going to, I'm going to will myself to scoring a goal. That, it's the it factor that David Villa had. It's the it factor that Tati developed and then had. Like, like we went into every game knowing, like, back in, in from 15 to 18 or whatever, David was here. Like, we, we went to a game knowing, like, okay, Villa's going to score today. When is he, when is it going to happen? But it's going to happen. Like, we knew it was, we knew he was going to score. And then, like, like the last two years with Tati, when we had him, it was like, okay, Tati's going to get a goal today. Like, like, when is it going to happen? Like, we knew, we knew he was going to score. And we knew Villa was going to score. And now it's super scary the, uh, the last year-ish going in and being like, are we going to score today? <laughs> so do you imagine that Talas is poised to have this big breakout season? I feel like that's kind of the vibe around the community. I mean, even the MLS put out a tweet, you know, who is who is going to break out this season? And then I saw, you know, Davey, I think, said Talas. We saw Michael Allen say Talas. Um, we've talked about on this show with some guests that Talas seems to be a shoe in for breaking out is that the feeling that you have as well it's really not um because i mean once again i go back and like i, I posted a video after michael allen p- p- posted that i posted i posted a video of the replay of la galaxy where talis is played in by tiago and and dribbles into four defenders gets dispossessed very easily and then looks very relatively in, disinterested in the fact that he was dispossessed and is kind of just jogging like that's that doesn't that doesn't like exude confidence that in 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 him for me. Um, if there's a player who I think is on the preface of of breaking out, which is scary because he's not here right now, is Gabi <laughs> Pereira. He's the one who I look at I'm like this dude can score. Like I mean, but the other problem, like the same, the problem is the same problem I have with Thiago Andrade and Talis Magno. They're painfully right footed. I have the same problem with Gabi Pereira is that he's painfully left footed. They. Professional soccer players are supposed to be able to play with both feet and play with both feet well, um, especially. And I have a higher expectancy of Brazilians because th- those down there they eat, breathe, sleep, eat again. Football, <laughs> soccer, like they that's they, they're out in the, they're outside with no shoes on, with with a ball made out of nothing, and they're just out there playing. So like I have a higher expect expectancy of a Brazilian that to, to be pretty good with both feet and to be pretty silky in the ball dribbling and. Stuff like that, and I'm, I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching little videos of Thiago Andrade, like doing like little juggling stuff with the other Brazilians, and the other players, and he's just using his right foot every time, every time, every time, every time. Going, the ball's on his left. He swings over and uses his right foot again to pop it back. Like it's just, it's right foot every time. Um, and then also there was a replay in the LA Galaxy game. Thiago was in on goal, and then had to cut it back onto his right foot to shoot, and it got knocked out for a corner kick. Like in that, like that's a that if that's MLS play, like that ball needs to get finished. Like yeah. if, I don't care if it's on your left foot, put the ball in the back of the net. That's what you get paid to do. By any means necessary, put the ball in the back of the net. And it's just like I don't I don't see a guy who we can lean on to score. I don't see it right now in Talisman. Now if please like 
Palace, if you're watching, please prove me wrong. <laughs> prove me wrong. Make me eat my words. Prove me wrong, please. Because we need somebody who can score goals. We need somebody who, who we can lean on a little bit, especially with these young guys, to score goals consistently, semi-consistently. So is there a player in the lineup that you that to you it ha- that you have that mindset about that is going to have a year for us? Gabi Pereira, if Gabi he is. if he comes back, if he ever comes back from Brazil. Okay. Uh, I think watching Gabi, I think that he has. I think that he. It's because he Talos is really tall, and so is Thiago. Like they're not like, like they're a bit clunky mm. because they're so tall. They don't move fluidly. They don't. They're not quick. They're they're fast in long spurts, but they're not quick in short spurts. And that's and for NYCFC, we're used to a smaller statured player. We haven't had. I mean, Ke- I know Keaton Parks. We call him Big Bird yeah. because he's like six foot three in the midfield. He's huge. Um, but we're used to having David Villa was like what, like five ten, five five eight, five nine. Like he was short, and he's a short little guy, and he's really quick, and he can accelerate, accelerate real fast, create that half yard of space, put the ball in the back of the net. Tati being five ten, shorter player, a little bit. I mean, he wasn't as fast, but he, but he he was quick. Um, and then Maxi, super short, five three. Alexander Matriza, super short. Ismail Tajiri Shradi, short. Like they're all shorter players. Shorter attacking players has been like our go to since our inception. We haven't had these. I mean, Joe Ingebrigtsen, Adam Nemec, they're all tall. But they didn't do well for us. They all flopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, our, our MO is to have these short, little, pacey, agile attackers. Gabriel Pereira fits that mold. I, I think that he's. I think that he could flourish in our system. Um, Thiago Andrade and Talis Magno. I don't. I don't. I don't they don't. I, they're not our prototypical players. They're not guys that we have gotten in the past. They're different. They're taller. Um, I mean, Thiago Andrade. Might, I mean, but Thiago Andrade might help with um, hold-up play. Because he's taller and probably a little bit stronger, um, and maybe like th- one of the reasons that Tati was so phenomenal for us is because he was so willing and so able to jump very, very high and win those flick-on headers off of long punts to flick it onto our wingers and run on and run on in. He he could jump so high, um, and that was one of the reasons why. Um, I mean, I, I know that you guys are familiar with my hatred for a bear, a bear's unwillingness to to win anything in the air because he could not. He did not jump whatsoever. He did not leave the ground ever um so he didn't really fit in the way that our we were flourishing with tati um they were very different styled strikers but yeah i mean i definitely think that i think that gabi is poised for a breakout year um that's that was my long-winded way of saying that yeah i mean i think it'll be interesting i I almost feel like cushing may be uh on the path of changing up what we saw the team or changing up what the team looked like last year uh between what we see this year um, because of the personnel that we have, you know, you do in a way you have to you have to plan for the guys that you have, and when you don't have all these people filling these roles that you typically do, then you just switch things up. And like we mentioned earlier with the formations, um, early preseason games, he he said he's switching things up, trying different formations and stuff. So it'll be really interesting to see if if we're gonna end up doing our four in our back, um, or or five or five three, um, kind of as it goes. I mean, do you have uh, a feeling on what? what you would like to see out of our players and out of Cushing based on our personnel. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see when decisions are made and then it's kind of off the, off topic of the question, but I'd like to see when, when things are clearly going wrong, I'd like to see Nick Cushing quickly putting out those fires and quickly making those tough decisions. Mm. I don't want to, I don't, you know, if, if Tiago is doing nothing but 40 yard dashes for 90 minutes straight i don't want to see that for eight games nine games straight yeah i think you know three games and that's done and we're we're finding another solution 
Um, you know, I don't want things to get stagnant in that way. Um, and I, and I, I don't want, you know, if, if we do come out really, really um, direct and we're just whipping in balls, again, if that's not working for three, four games, we need to switch it up quickly. We need to make quick decisions because um, otherwise we're going to end up in a situation where we're one in four or whatever. Like it could get really ugly really fast. Um, and I just really want quick decisions. Um, tactically, I'd like to see, I'd like to see attempts at, um, at playing towards people's true skills. So I don't think Talas is a traditional number nine. I just don't see it in him. I'd like, I'd like us to try out a false nine. I, I think it would, I think it's something that would benefit Talas. I think it's something that benefits our team as a whole to get Talas in a position where he can make plays. Um, but if that doesn't work out, again, three games and it's done. Like I'm, we're not playing BS. We're 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 making those quick decisions. Um, so, yeah. In a false nine, then that would put more pressure to perform on our on our wingers. Right. Because if he if he's coming in deep in that midfield, then our wingers are going to have to start producing like a lot because they're going to be making runs off of him winning those balls. Right. And I can see that, you know, playing into the strengths of Tiago, which is being faster than everyone else on the team. And kind of having a one-on-one or, you know, a passing opportunity to, to Gabby. Um, I just think that that'd be the best route to go. Like, I want to see that game one. If, and if it doesn't work, game two, get rid of it, put it on my head, and that's fine. Clip me on Twitter. That's cool. <laughs> well, I'm interested in that because, I mean, the, the hot take that people have been on, on Twitter have been talking about is, is, like, is the 10 position, right? Because Maxi's gone, Santi's gone. And then now in our midfield, we're kind of stuck with Justin Hack, Keaton Parks, Alfredo Morales. That's who we have. Um, that's our depth. That's everybody. That's everyone who's had senior level playing time in the center midfield. Um, so, and then people have been saying like, oh, so uh, Keaton, speculation about, oh, Keaton Parks is going to play the 10. Keaton Parks is not a 10. He's not a 10. Yeah. He's an eight. And he's a good eight, but he's, he's an eight. eight feet tall. <laughs> yeah, he's eight feet tall. He's not a 10. He's an eight. He boxed the box all day. But he's not just going to hang out up top and just start and, and, and start playing line breaking passes. Um, although he is, he does have a very. I mean, I, I've seen the stats from Soup and NYCFC um, that uh, that he, when he has the ball at his feet, he, th- good things happen. Um, but I, I still, I, so I mean, but if if we were to play Talos in a false nine, I like that because and that probably means that we're playing with, with the absence of a ten. Right. And because in theory, the way that our roster is constructed right now, we're kind of constructed to play without a 10 because we don't have a 10 yep. and you don't want to force someone into a position that's not going to bring out the best in their abilities. So if we play without it, if we play without a true 10, then we can play with a, just a six, eight pairing of parks and Alfredo Morales and then have Justin hack come off the bench because I'm very firmly in the camp that Justin hack is not a starting, starting caliber player at the current moment for NYCFC. Correct. In yeah. no way or form should Justin hack be starting games for NYCFC at this moment. I think he. I think he can though. I think he he can be worked to that point. But yeah, I, don't, I think you're right in the fact that I, he's not there right now. Um, yes. Well, I think it, the most telling thing was the Montreal game when he had to come in for Chano. Right. It was. I mean, obviously we're switching from it a, a Chano to a Justin Hack in in most likely the biggest game that Hack has ever played in in his life. Um, but. I think you're right. It was a little bit of shell shock. It was obviously an extreme loss of quality, despite how much Chano tried to coach him up. Um, but I think we we end up seeing him play more in that James Sands role in our team if Cushing is going to employ tactics to allow for it. Um, and, uh, I mean, there's ways that we could configure the team that 
we could have three midfielders and it's going to be your Keaton and your Alfredo and then you're hacking your your six and like you said there's nobody else so if, if we're going to field that team it hack is going to have to start and I just wonder is there is there anything about his game that you do like I think that's an easy question or an easier question than if you were to list everything that you don't <laughs> I mean, to be brutally honest, no, there's nothing, there's nothing about his game that like, I'm like, Oh, he deserves to be here. Oh, he can hang at this level. Yeah. Um, his passing, I believe is below average. Um, his tackling is not fantastic. Um, and I, and, and sometimes he gets big boyed off the ball. Like he gets big boyed in the midfield, like just by older players who are a little more savvy and a little bit just bigger because they're in their mid thirties and not in their early twenties. Yep. Yeah. Um, how old is he at 20? Is he 19? How old is he? He's 21. He's 21. Yeah, 21. Well, yeah, he's young. I mean, he's, grow- he's still growing into his body. I mean, definitely the one thing I've noticed is that he has gotten bigger. He ha- Over the course of his four years, the past three, four years with us, he's his legs have gotten big. Like he is, he's put, he's looking more like a professional football pl- footballer and not like some little academy kid. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I, I go back to when Sands was, was kind of starting with us and he, he had that problem where he was getting body too. And I think we, one of our first episodes, we, we were like, Sands, get in the gym. Like you need to go lift weights, drink your milk, like eat your PB and bananas. Like you really need to put on some, some weight. Um, Hack has the same problem, but I think he does show spurts of being, uh, you know, a really good player. Like you, you see, sometimes he tackles and you're like, wow, that's a great tackle. It's not consistent. Um, and, and I think his confidence on the ball, he's very confident. And, and I think in your opinion to be like, well, why are you confident? I see the product, but um, he is very confident on the ball. Whether the pass goes where it's supposed to or not, that's another story. <laughs> um, but you see, like that that pride, that that confidence. You know, I kind of you see the players there. It just has to, he has to grow into that, I believe. Yeah, I think it's a little maybe also a bit of like rose tinted glasses for us. Obviously, with the Hartford connection, he's gone on two loan stints there, and we obviously it's it's much easier for us to get out to the Hartford stadium than it is the NYCFC and we we often would and then also let's take into account that we're seeing him in a pool of USL players and not MLS players which is very different sample size against him um but in in those positions he did look good and I guess I guess where my optimism with him comes from is in a pool of players where he is is at an average level among the rest of the guys on the field he can get it done um he can get it done in that position. So I guess that's, that's sort of where my optimism comes, but you're right. The point or the, the, the thing holding him back is that he's not at the level of the average MLS player that are going to be around him in these games. Um, and hopefully, you know, I think steady minutes might, he's either going to have to make, it's going to make or break him if he gets these steady minutes and, and we're going to have to see ultimately what happens in that situation. Who is he getting minutes over? Cause he's, he's not better than Alfredo Morales. He's not better than Keaton Parks. He's just not better than them. I just think that he can kind of play, um, and, and it, it would be playing house, you know, like playing, like when you're a kid, you play house and, you know, you got your, hu- you got the husband, the wife, the kid, it's all fake, right? But I think he can genuinely play like a Sands type role where he is that person that, you know, like you said earlier, Collins was the one bringing the ball forward. I think he could be that guy that brings the ball forward, but also tucks back into the center backs. Um, to help kind of shield the, the defense. After seeing his performance at that position against Philadelphia in the most important match of our season last year, you have any confidence that he can play in a back line? I think so. I think given time, I think <laughs> given time, 
and I think against you know picking the right opponent for it too. You're not going to do it against Philly, you know. You're not going to do it against you know in these big games, but you can certainly go to like a Chicago and do that for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it I I think he where he fits in is the sixth role where we have three midfielders and it's it's Keaton and Alfredo sort of in front of him and him playing that that really far back role and. I think our, our back line is too busy at the moment with being unsure of who's going to be in it, right? To me, the perfect back three, if, if that's what we're going with, is going to be a Tavon, a Cheneau, and a Tiago Martins. Um, but aside from that, he would have to – we would need that solid base of those three guys in order to allow Hack to make mistakes because otherwise it's it, it could get ugly. I mean, he could cost cost goals significantly. I, I think – I think we've got to the point of the show where Coach Joe might have been screaming at his car the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might have reached that point. I mean, I, I was I was shocked we got to 50 minutes without really an argument, um, but we are at that point. So let's 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 hear what you got to say. I mean, the back line is is tough. I mean, because like, do we play better out of a three in the back? Yes. Yeah. Do we have the personnel to play out of a three in the back right now? Maybe. Um, is Cheneau going to be able to play 34 games this year? 34 plus games this year? Is he going to stay healthy for 34 plus games this year? He is getting older and like he's our last connection to NYCFC 1.0 or 1.5, whatever you want to. Second season he came, he came in. Yep. Um, he's been around for a long time. He's been a great ambassador of the club, been a great player for the club. Um, but it's not, it's not lost in anybody that he's possibly, he's losing some steps. He's not as durable as he as he was, um, and I don't think that he's going to be able to. Play. I think that's why they brought in Alfaro because I don't think that he's going to be able to play an entire season um, without possibly getting injured or just running into a poor a stretch of poor form. Um, Alfaro doesn't breed confidence because he he's coming from the wooden spoon winner uh, DC defense that was bleeding goals like it was their job this year. Um, and then, he, I mean, also, Alfaro is pretty much a – he's an MLS journeyman. He was on Seattle for uh, Seattle for a little while, D.C. for a little while, can't stick anywhere, can't get major minutes anywhere except if it's on the worst defense in the league. Um, so that's not exactly a resounding endorsement of his abilities as a professional footballer um, for this club. Um, I am in the camp. I, I firmly – I mean, I'm sure you see that. I firmly believe that Tavon Gray's best position is at center back. Um, and that's because of his – he's very strong defensively, um, and he is – Weak, weaker going forward. Um, he's not, he's not quick. He's not fast. He's not overly athletic in terms of agility and things like that. And just the ability to play a ball, even though he played in a pretty good ball, pretty great ball in the LA galaxy game. I'm not entirely sure he knew where the ball was going. Cause he just came up and kicked <laughs> it really hard, um, but it wasn't exactly where it was supposed to go yeah. to our center in the middle of the field. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I do. I firmly believe that I think Tavon's best position is a, is in a three in the back at right center back. I agree. Um, yeah, with, with a more athletic player playing right wing back, like Elenic, or if we bring in somebody else. Um, but uh, I just, I would hack prove me prove if hack proves this season that he can hang and not have a disaster class like he did against Philadelphia in the, in the most important game of the season. If he can prove that he can fill it, fit, fit into that James Sands role where it's like, you're a, a super deep lying six destroyer ball player. Um, then yeah, then I'd be all about that progression, but like him playing as a true midfielder 
as a true six, like in the midfield, I think that he needs help. I think he needs, like he's going to need an Alfredo Morales there with him to possibly clean up a mistake that he might make. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right that we're, 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 we play our best out of three in the back, and I think our transfer strategy um, up until this point, all we've seen is Alenich and uh, 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 Kufre come in. That obviously is also supporting a three in the back play, I think, because if both of those guys with the at least the money that we played Alenich might demand that they need to be getting minutes in those roles. Um, and Kufre at least looks very good going forward from what I've seen in, in highlights. Um, so I think that kind of supports that that is most of the time what Cushing is going to want to do. Um, and obviously our, our past, what we've seen from Cushing also shows that that's what he would like to do if if he's able to. Um, but I think we should get into a little bit of prediction. So I'm sure you're you're as mad as everybody else in the NYCFC community when we start seeing these MLS predictions come out. And I've seen NYCFC as low as 12th. I've seen them in 10th. I've seen them in 9th. And all of these positions are missing the playoffs. I guess whichever way you want to answer it, one, do you see us getting into the playoffs and then two, do you have a, a feeling on around what place we're going to be in? I mean, us getting into the playoffs is going to, is going to be determined by our ability to uh, win games on the road, uh, which NYCFC has, has historically been very poor at um, mm. playing on the road during the regular season, at least. Um, so getting results, positive results, ties, wins, not losing every match on the road. Cause if you go back and look at the previous seasons, the teams that make the playoffs are the teams that, that can find a way to scrounge multiple victories away from home. Yep. Um, so if we can if we can get those wins on the road and win more than our share of, of home games, and, with, and that's depending upon which home game, where, where home is. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, with the way the roster is currently built, if we can – I mean, obviously I'll have more confidence if we bring in more players. But with, with what we currently have to deal with right now, I think that NYCFC is in a – six to nine position six seven eight nine somewhere in there uh obviously eight what eight nine is out of playoff content is not playoff contention i or think eight, nine eight, eight is in nine's in. out yeah yep. nine's out like yeah. so i can see us fighting to, to to be on that that line of, of being a, a playoff team or not and then if we if we have a uh, if we have an awesome summer window then that prediction goes way up yeah but if you're talking about today i say we're in the six to nine we can be anywhere from six to nine um, I'm getting furious on Twitter seeing people's takes putting us down at 12, yeah, 11, crazy. 10, 13, like even lower. I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, do you? Just, it's because it, it's because they hate us. Yeah, they, they hate us because of, we, of us winning the cup in 21. They still have. They hate us. They see that we got our roster got decimated, but we still have quality. We still have good players. We still have Keaton Parks, who's, who who should be a fringe national team player, but isn't because. The managers are scared about his blood clots in his legs. That's what, I'm, I'm convinced that's why they're not bringing him in because they don't think he's 100 healthy. Um, we have Alfredo Morales, who back in the day was a men's national team player and then had a great career in in, in, in Germany and is now back home for the or not home. He never lived. I don't think he ever lived here to begin with. I think, I think when he moved back to New York, that was his first time living in the states. But um, but I mean, he's a good player. He's he's I, I, I mean, he's a I would say Alfredo Morales if he's if he stays healthy this year, he's a candidate for. MLS best starting best starting eleven. Um, I, I think Alfred Morales is a fantastic. I think that when Alfredo's on the field, we are a much better team. We are more organized. We are better defensively. He's good with the ball, like distributing. Um, I think that he, if he can stay, find a way to stay healthy this year, um, that he could be an All MLS starting eleven uh, caliber player. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. If I had to pick a, a player that 
is my favorite on the team now that you know everybody that i loved prior has taken off um alfredo would be the guy if i when and if uh if the new kit is pretty enough when i buy a jersey this season um it will be alfredo that's for sure um but hopefully we can get some kind of information on what that kit actually looks like so i could ready the wallet um, um i mean i've seen it i can tell you that you're, you're gonna want to buy at least two or three of them so okay well Two or three. Damn, they're expensive too. But you're gonna want to buy two or three. Yeah. Because this this is one of those kits where I mean, I've I've been having a hard time finding the uh, the uh, Bronx Blue kit, the 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 one that we won the championship in. Yeah. That one's really hard to find now. I mean, like you can't. It's not really available for sale anywhere. I don't know if they still have it at Yankee Stadium. But this kit is gonna fly like hotcakes. It's 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 a really nice kit. And and I'm 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 a kit collector. I don't know if you guys see my my Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, that like I, every now and again I'll post videos or pictures of all my I have so many NYCFC kits, multiples, long sleeve, short sleeve. This kit is going to be the greatest kit we've had to date. It's a better, phenomenal. Better kit. than the black so, and orange. That was my. That's like the, yeah, my yes. favorite. That was the peak. To yeah, me. that was great. That was a great kit. Um, it's really it's uh did not do it justice that we only got to wear it for one. I know. For one year. I, if we ever did bring a kit back, I feel like it should be that one. You know, MLS should do that, like a, like retro kit games where yeah. they just randomly bring back a jersey from, like and like have like the uh, the, the originals, like have them wear like a Dallas Burn and a Metro Stars and a oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah and all these other, <laughs> and then you, hey and then you can let LAFC wear Chibox jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was just saying we could wear Cosmos. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be yeah. sick. Um, um, but I think give you, so give you a little bit of your, your own treatment on the podcast. Whenever you guys bring on guests, I think, well, I like the way that you always started off where you have them run through, um, their favorite all-time player, their favorite current player and their, their favorite kit. So I, I kind of want to give you that treatment. Cause I'm not sure in your guest episodes that I've heard you answer those questions yet. So who's the favorite all-time coach Joe player? I mean, I'm, I'm going to catch crap for this, but it's David Villa. I mean, he's, he's the one who made me, made me feel kind of made me fall in love with this club, like going and just all the moments. Like I, I, I have, I've had a lot of discussions on this and I, on Twitter and in person and on, on the pod. And, um, he, don't get me wrong. He, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, he, like he's a dirtbag. He's, he's a, the lowest form of, of man. He's, he's, a, he, what he did was inexcusable as a human, as a man. Um, but I, I, in my brain, I am able to separate the footballer from the person. Um, and I can't just erase the memories, the, the joyous memories that he gave to this club and to the fans of him scoring huge goals and awesome goals and awesome moments at Yankee Stadium and, and, and away and the, the, the long goal at Philly against against Andre Blake. Like you can't erase erase those from my memory. Like that's part that those are those are core memories of my fandom of this club. I mean, it was really shitty the way he left, like with the, like with him going to Vissel Kobe and then it all coming out about what he did. Yeah. Um, and it, it angers me thinking about it because like that, that, that's a really shitty thing. Like that's really awful. Um, but like he still like he, I mean he still is my favorite player for this club because of, of everything that he did. I mean Tati got close because Tati provided even better moments. He provide he he got us over the hump and got us the cup that that we that's been elusive for for uh, for seven eight seasons, um, or seven seasons I think before we won. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, David Villa, although with with baggage included, David Villa. Heavy baggage. Yeah. And then um, not to rob the listeners of our answers. Who's your favorite all time? Yeah. Well, can I do something? Can you can you guess? Because it's like guess. it's not. It's like. Oh, Poku. Yeah, easily. I mean, this guy, he has like a Poku jersey, a yeah. Poku t-shirt with his name on the back of it. You know, yeah. every... He was like, he was my OG favorite player. And I can't tell you why, because he really, I mean, 
he he's, might, he's a cult. If he's he has like over a cult 10 goals for us, I'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> no, but his goals were big. Yeah, they were big. And I just I loved the way that he played. I loved um, how he how just his presence on the field. I just loved uh, everything about Poku. And I, there was there was times in the beginning where I was like, we should just bring him back. I think I said that for like two or three seasons. Like we should Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's been toiling he's been toiling away like in just random clubs in the usl and then i think he went overseas for a, a, a minute to go play yeah. somewhere overseas and i think he's still playing to be honest with you i think yeah. he's back in the states playing for like somebody in alabama or something like yeah I think the like, nasl actually not he, even the he's USL. played in miami he's played everywhere and um, yeah yeah i just wish i wish he had stayed with us um so i'd go poku for sure the 88 is iconic to me yeah, yeah. oh yeah for many reasons yeah. yeah, our old our old house uh, was 88 during that time yep. that we used to live at. Um, and then I'll go my favorite all time uh, has to be Collins, I guess. It has to be Collins. Um, I was going to say Tony Rocha because he's up there too. Um, Roach. But I would have to say – I'd have to say Collins. I mean, the Roach now, is do, still my Twitter do you prefer do you, do you prefer high and tight Collins or do you prefer Afro Collins? Afro Collins was iconic. It was a vibe, but – uh, I'll go high and tight Collins because high and tight Collins was the one that scored the penalty that we were there for in New England, um, and then obviously the Portland one, which I think you know all of us will remember forever. Yeah, the, the mature Collins, which I I don't know. I I do. Uh, we never really talked about it formally, but I really, really, really want to go to Spain and see all of them play together with Herrera, Being Collins, sane. and Tati. I'm, that's I gotta go so soon because Tati's not gonna be there for long. <laughs> I know it's gotta be soon. And then um, <laughs> favorite current player, if there's any left for you to choose from. So I think when I, I, I did the very first episode of me having the boys on, I answered this. And I think I, I think I said Gabby Pereira okay. is, my, is my favorite current player. But I mean, is he is he even a current player? Because is, is he <laughs> is he ever coming back? Is, is he are they going to think like whose job is it to get this visa? And why is it not happening faster? Why is this process not expedited for a professional athlete? Um, is he coming back ever? Um, so, but also, I mean, I would say maybe it's like a one A one B situation with Alfredo Morales. Yeah, that's uh, mine too. I would so. go Tavon. Okay. Um, just, wow. Just I love his attitude. Um, going back to who was it? Benteke. Yeah. Where he's just screaming bozo at him. Like I just <laughs> love that energy. Um, I think he brings, like, everything that was like when you picture. New York, I feel like he embodies that. And I feel like that's – I love that. I love his attitude. I love everything. I think he, once he starts to be better as a player, he's easily going to be an NYCFC legend. For now, sure. for me, for favorite player of all time, 1A, 1B, uh, 1B would be Tinner Home. Tinner Home was so much fun yeah. to watch. Yeah, Tinner Boom. Tinner yeah. Booms, him getting his token yellow card for, like, punching the air and <laughs> screaming in the ref's face. You knew it was coming. Like once yeah. there was like a questionable call, you knew Tinder Home was just gonna get really in the rest face and like air, uppercut the air and just start <laughs> screaming and stuff. And you knew he was gonna need the yellow card for it. But yeah, Tinder Home, Tinder Home was awesome to watch. So then, aside from the new kit that we we've all yet to see, what is your favorite kit of all time? So I think I, I think when I answered on the pod, I think I think I said this one. Um, this one's not a fan favorite. Um, part of the reason is because it's a. Uh, it's pretty much a cut and cut and paste template from the Colombia and Argentina World Cup uh, jerseys. Collins, same yeah. answer. Yeah, so this this one it fits the best. Like it, I don't know, it just fits the best. It feels the best. The sleeves are the right length. It's, I just like I like the gray with the with the with the baby with the city blue. Yeah. I just I, I love. The, I have like four of these. I, I just I love them. 
Oh yeah, I have to. I do have to flex when when we say Collins. Obviously, I called him out as my favorite player. Um, and then before he before he took oh, yeah. off, I was able to get it signed, which was, you know, one of one of the happiest moments. It was really cool to meet so him. My question is, do, do you have his Jordan jersey yet? I do not know. Oh, you gotta get. I, I just got. I, I got it in. I got it in last week. Oh yeah, you no, gotta... I saw you post it. It looks. It does look yeah. slick. It looks really good. I was like, I was literally scoping, stalking their social medias to see if I can find in a video a glimpse of the number he was being given. Because I was like, as soon as I know what number, I'm ordering the jersey. Yeah, those yellow red stripe ones are oh, sick. They're crazy. Yeah. They remind me of McDonald's in a good way. In a good yeah. way. Because we so, abuse that. So what's your what's your kit? Uh, kit I feel like I answered it. Was the, the black and orange yeah. um, is is just iconic to me. It's like it's a, like you were saying, it's core memory. Um, if I had to pick a one B, I'd probably pick the other black kit with the circles on it. Um, that as, as my number two with that, I think they called it the pulse. Was it the pulse? Yeah. Kit? Where it all, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, that hey, one, which one, the blue and orange where it kind of had like rings coming out from around the badge. <laughs> Do you mean the hypno kit? <laughs> the hypno kit. Yeah. Hip, okay. I thought, it, I thought they called it pulse or it's something. Blue. That's like not that. black. That's blue. It's, it's blue with the. With, with yeah, the, it with was the... dark to me. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the hip, it's the hypnocade. It looks like someone dropped a rock in a puddle and then it kind of like yeah, vibrates out yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one. Um, I, I like that one. I, I, I just picture um, uh, like Pirlo and the boys in it, and it was just I love that one. Yeah, and then t- to wrap it up, we've been making everybody run through the the over under ringer, um, so that at the end of the season we could hold you accountable, um, in yeah. the form of clips in September, um. <laughs> not, not really, but um, we'll with just... the context that it is the 9th of February <laughs> yeah. at 8:46. Not that we're gonna make any deals, but with that context, <laughs> so so we'll throw out some numbers with some categories, and then just let us know whether you're over or under on it. So total team points, 49 and a half. Over. I'm over as well. I'm not answering it again. All I'm right. sticking by my last answers. Clean sheets, six and a half. Over. Tales goals twelve and a half. Under. GP goals nine and a half. Over. And Tiago goals six and a half. Andraj. <laughs> <laughs> Important distinction. I don't think Michael Allen was sure. Uh, what, was, what was the number? Six and a half. Over over man everybody everybody's making me think we should have had the lines higher because everybody's going over with all these yeah, Do, yeah okay. think, are we are we talking just mls regular season or all just regular season yeah but i mean so so what, there's there's 34 34 yeah regular season games i mean i, I mean I, I don't think i don't think Chago's gonna be much over that i think he might score like seven yeah. eight um i think gp's gonna have like closer to 15 I think Tiago's going to – did I go over on Tiago? What was Tiago's line? Six and a half. You went over. Uh, sorry, uh, T- Talos Magno. Oh, 12 and a half. You went under. I said, I said under? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think we're going to have two players scoring double digits. It's going to be Talos Magno and uh, and Gabriel Pereira. And uh, I think Gabby's going to have more. But I think they're. I think that they're both going to be in double digits. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that about does it. I mean, I had a ton of fun bringing you on the show um totally you know weren't weren't sure weren't sure what to expect after all the you know talking to each other on twitter and everything but i think it's good to to bring people into our uh 
usual echo chamber of just sharing each other's thoughts back and forth, agreeing on everything, um, getting different perspectives and helping like share it out Twitter's with everybody. Twitter stuff because you can't get con- you can't get like my voice and my content. Like, yeah, you yeah, I get mad. Like I get angry and I, and I and I angry tweet or whatever. Um, and like I obviously I, I get into it with with NYCFC source because sometimes he just pisses <laughs> me the fuck off. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean I'm not like this asshole <laughs> like, I'm, like i'm knowledgeable and i can like spit out like coherent thoughts and not just be a jerk and i and i like I, everyone has their own opinions and i have strong opinions and i accept other people's opinions sometimes i believe that they're wrong but they're allowed to have them <laughs> <laughs> i think it's good to um you know have your show going and um you know get that voice to the opinion and um get the fully explained thoughts out because i think it helps a lot um with people not just reading a text and, and not getting the emotion, not getting, you know, obviously feeling the passion because you can see the passion in the text, but you can't feel the passion like when you're speaking. Yeah. Um, so I think it's super, super important. I think it's super cool. Um, and the more the merrier in the space in, in terms of people getting on mics and, um, you know, scream until their face is red. I think it's perfect. Yeah. So, and I think yeah. what, what anchors all of us is obviously a, a, an extreme love for the club. Maybe sometimes, you know, too much. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to potentially linking up at a game with you, um, saying what's up in person, and and hopefully seeing a W because you know that's what you gotta have. Yeah, definitely a W and a beer, maybe a chicken. Yeah, and, uh, I called in last night to NYCFC Forever had like a little like radio hotline yeah. phone number thing going on where you call in and, and they ask you some questions, and the guys said that like that they they're, they're gonna host like a uh, podcast get together for all the for all the NYCC pod people oh, to kind of get together and just shoot the shit and talk and drink and shit. So. Yeah. yeah, that'd be sick. Well, yeah, maybe definitely. maybe we'll make it out there. Yeah, and um, maybe this is the point where we clickbait something and we're like, no, you're an idiot. What are, what are you talking about? <laughs> I can't even fake the emotion. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was great having you on. And, um, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, peace. peace. Yeah, and it, it keep doing what you guys do. I, I, I try to listen to all the NYC Blue City Radio. You guys, City Boys, haven't put out one this year yet. But um, I, I'm – if you guys are checking your your stats on Apple Podcasts and stuff, I'll just know that I'm one of the listeners that <laughs> I listen. To, even though it pisses me off, and I'm white white knuckling the, <laughs> the steering wheel and yelling at my my windshield when someone says something positive about Tavon Gray playing right back. <laughs> um, I do enjoy your guys' content and, and listening into uh, to whatever you guys have to have to say. And, and your guests are awesome, so I mean, keep it up. Awesome, thank What's, you. Who was it? It was um, here we go. We're gonna waffle a little bit, but. I think it was Sway in the morning. He'd have people call in and be like, Sway, what are you mad about? Like, that was the thing. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I feel like maybe once a week we'll just get Coach Joe on. It's like, Coach Joe, what are you mad about? <laughs> what did we say? Oh, thank, God, thank God I wasn't coming on during uh, during the Medina years because Medina drove me up a freaking wall. Like, the fact that he and was constantly. this dude was Medina's number one. <laughs> he, he is the biggest Medina supporter of the I think club. I still have to buy his jersey uh, by proxy. I wish him nothing but misery in Russia. I hate it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, obviously follow Coach Joe at Coach Joe on Twitter. Um, you could you check him out on Apple Pods, Coach Joe Uncensored, although he he leaked to us that they may be doing a little rebranding. So look out for that. Um, and then at Post90Pod, pretty much everywhere you can find us, Twitter, um, YouTube has handles now, TikTok, Instagram, all that. Um, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. See ya. Peace.